Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. Mine is how can I be a clearer and clearer channel for all of this mystery that's around me. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. Y'all, if you want to meet the divine, you've got to let your heart break. You just got to let it break and you got to trust. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. Not necessarily who do I need to become, who am I already? I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. Just come into resonance and magnetism with who you really are, and when that happens, your life starts to take this shape and this order. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hey there, welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed Joining us today is someone I consider to be poetry in motion for our times. This is Aisha Ophelia joining us today. She is a spiritual provocateur, conceptual creative, brand magician, soul revivalist, liberator, truth teller, self-made artist, and the list goes on. Anyway, Aisha, is not only a rising voice in the spiritual wellness and personal transformation space, but she's also the creator of a thriving community called the Girlfriend Manifesto and a monthly masterclass cohort called the Society of Wild Hearts. She has the coolest names for everything. I'm just going to say, I'm going to fangirl here. Anyway, in my humble opinion, she is a masterful coach, especially for anybody who needs help navigating the deeper waters of life. And she is all about helping people rise up to claim their innate wholeness, truth, and beauty. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Asia. Yay, I'm on the corner of Fringe, and what was the other one? Fringe in Maine. I love it, I love it. <laughs> you know what, this is the exact place that I work, because I was thinking about what I do, and it's um, in that intersection of the seen and unseen realm, so that feels like the, exactly the Wooniverse that you created. Right, it's like, because it's not just the, it's not the universe, it's the Wooniverse, right? It's like, there, there really is, it's where mystical and the the material meet and they intersect because one doesn't exist without the other. That's, That's right. you know, one needs one to express itself and the other one needs the other to animate itself. So, mm-hmm. and I know you live here with me. <laughs> <laughs> you have your own room in my house here. <laughs> anyway, I'm so excited to dig in with you and uh, I really want people to get to know you. So I, I love always starting at the beginning with my guests. And what were you like as a kid? I mean, were you always in touch with the magical and more poetic aspects of life? I think so. I was actually a pretty serious kid, but I loved being outside and dreaming and asking a lot of questions. And I spent a lot of time by myself just creating these worlds that I could populate. And it was almost like it took me a while to have the language for what I was doing when I was a kid, but I was in that manifestation place. I was in that liminal space. I was very... I was I always was who I am now, you know? I'm an observer. I observe a lot and really sensitive. Uh, love being outdoors, love the natural realm. I've learned so much just by being quiet and listening and you're wearing this dragonfly this morning and one of the things I was supposed to do is look for a totem. And of course, you've been my you've been my totem in so many ways, but the dragonfly <laughs> also connects me to my mom. So, yeah, I was always really creative, always it had a head in a book. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, it is amazing. As, yeah, but you're describing who you are now, right? You really are. So um, let's start right away with a deep dive into divination, because more specifically oracles. You you have some beautiful oracles that you've created. Um, in your work, you speak about living as the oracle. And I'd love to hear your expression of that. Like, what does that mean? To, to live as the oracle. Well, one of the new titles that I'm experimenting with is like body ecologist. And what, what I mean by that is actually, you know, when we go and sit in front of someone and we, we tell our story, we think it's mental, but actually it's living in our body. And our body is the physical oracle that brings in this information. So, you know, probably your readers know about the clairs, you know, sometimes people feel mm-hmm. things, they sense things, they hear things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was always this person who was on this breadcrumb mission. I just remembered. I remembered. And I really think that there's this like prophecy. There's this prophecy of the oracles. And if you find yourself in Colette's realm or you find yourself with a deck of cards before you or you find yourself really trying to analyze your dreams, you've probably been called as an oracle. And so I really Mm -hmm. love knowing that it's actually my body that's the vehicle. And, you know, as as I've been in this healing journey, I've been like, wow, my connection to spirit is so much more now that I've moved through some of this density in my body. So it it really Mm -hmm. comes down to the body. Like our stories, we tell our stories, we think they're mental, but they actually live within us as this kind of like instinctual, animalistic part of ourselves. So when I think of divination, more and more, I think of the body and how I am, you know, the receiver for this information and how to make that connection the most clear that it can be. Just like when we came on, we were like checking the mics. Are we clear? Are we clear? (laughs) Can we hear each other? Can we feel each other? Can we see each other? So that's what I... That's divination for me. I love that you said the body, because one of the things that I talked about just actually this week when I was doing this process was to talk about the fact that our body is the instrument that tells us it. And we forget so much. I mean, I think our whole society has taken us so disconnect into a much more disconnected sense of ourselves by staying in the head, by only looking at intellect and what we see first, as opposed to what is it that we initially feel that immediate plunk that tells us what is truth and what is not. So knowing that it's here and the same thing with our trauma, right? You know, I mean, that's become such a popular conversation. And I love what my friend Colin Bedell says. It's the most overused term and the least explained. But anyway, so, but the idea that we do have memory. So the memory of our, right, the cellular Mm -hmm. memory of our, of our pain and our wounding and the things that we've inherited, but also we can replace that with our joy and our juice, right? And our, you know, I love that. right? Write that down. Woo, write that down. I mean, you don't, you don't need to hear it from me to write it down. You probably yeah. wrote it first, but you know what I mean? It's like that sense of, yeah, that, that connection and that we've lost. And I, yeah. and one of the things that I've noticed about you when I've been watching a lot of, cause a lot of what you do is and everybody needs to sign up to your newsletter and they'll all find out how to do that later and your Instagram. But whenever you're there, you ask really provocative questions Mm -hmm. that bring us back into the body of our life. Like, what is it? Is this all concept or or Mm -hmm. what do you feel genuinely? Mm -hmm. And then how do you embody this new thing? Not look at the thing that you want to take apart. Let's talk a little bit about that too. How does divination help you do that? 
I love it that you brought it back to questions because I think, you know, the art of asking the question, if we're listening to someone and they're asking a question and it's and it contains like some of the thing that it's kind of like when you're forming a, a an affirmation, right? So often people put the seed of what they don't want to experience in the affirmation instead of yeah. just the uplifted version of it. So in my life, I've gotten better and better and better at asking questions. And the question that I keep asking myself, because the question that we ask, the answer is directly connected to it. So we we really want to come into this uplifted question asking space. And mine is how can I be a clearer and clearer channel for all of this mystery that's around me? And my life has really been about that whole journey, about what needs to go, what can stay, how we shape shift and how we really are able to listen and I always talk about people singing their true note. Right. And what I, what I mean by that is coming into the world with what you're inherently good at. Mm. So often we pack that away. We put that away. The world tells us it's not the way our partners do. Society does. And at some point we hit a wall because we're not in alignment with the truth of who we really are. Like animals are great about this. This is why I like right. have my little animal book next to me. I'm like, <laughs> um, they're really great at that, that part of being who they are. They're not questioning it. And so, you know, divination has really helped me to sing that true note and the way that it works. And you're great about talking about this. It's not a, a prediction. It's a, it's sort of a prescription for the moment. And yeah. what it often does is you'll pick a card and you'll get that little ping because you already know. You know. Right. But there's all you know. these voices and all these noise, you know, the loud noises that are saying, listen to me, listen to me. And it's often like fear and old programs and old stories. And so my work has personally been to... Um, not even fight against those because they can get louder, but just get really quiet and learn to listen to the stillest voice. And it's always mm -hmm. simple. It's always true. And it's really guided me to be able to sing my true note out and then have that kind of life. It's like, it, it's, it's really all about that. Like you could put away all your manifestation books and really just come into resonance and magnetism with who you really are. And when that happens, your life starts to take this shape and this order. I've just noticed in the manifestation world, we can really push. And I've done that before. Like yeah. I've, I've, you know, it's about matching the frequency and I faked my way into the frequency. And then life was like, oh, you're not here yet. Like it showed me you're not here yet. So this is the most true way, the most simple way. And the great thing is that the map is in you. Like it's in you. So I, oh, you've said so many things I don't want to go back over. Okay. So we will talk about manifestation because divination is a way for us to know what spirit wants for us. We are made of spirit. We are made of the divine. We are divinity. We are the embodiment of that. And then we have all our stories and all our machinations, et cetera, that are really our cross to bear. Um, so I love that you said about pushing because it's been my experience too that the more I surrender, the form comes to me in the exact way that it needs to to meet me where I am. Because I think manifestation is not about what we want, but it's what we are. It's who we are. And so the question then becomes, and I've seen you ask this in your way, is like, who do I need to become? We share the idea about frequency, right? What we are is the frequency that we put out and it's shown back to us and we don't always like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, wait a minute, I don't like mm -hmm. it. <laughs> or we get mad. Yeah. It's like, that's not what I wanted. But no, but that's, this is the invitation is to constantly observe. And you do that so gracefully. 
I wonder if it's because you're a triple Scorpio. I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> it definitely doesn't feel graceful all the time. But um, oh. yeah, I, I resonate with what you're saying. And something that I've been asking myself in this way is not necessarily who do I need to become, but who am I already? Like, what is the path of least resistance? What's the door that leads to the door? And often it's finding what's already abundant, what's already working, what's right. ar- what, what part of your body feels good. You might be in pain, but can you find the tiniest part that feels good and start to refocus your energy? And then your life says, okay, this person, you know, you're, there's a part of your brain called the, the beta reticular something. It's a reticular yes, activating that. system of the exactly. brain. I teach about that. Yeah. And it, <laughs> reticular activating yes, system raz, of the brain. Raz, raz. Yeah. So yeah. that part of your brain that's in tune with this mysterious, you know, world that we meet at, right, goes into action and says, this person is focusing on this. I'm going to show them more of this, you know? More of and this. so, yep. you know, it's science, it's mysticism, it's poetry, it's all of it. But that's, for me, it's been almost easier to, and I'm a big dreamer. And all I talk to people about is how to dream bigger. But sometimes it's only like this, like we really can't get it into motion. And so if we if we take the titrated way, then we just open the next door. Like this little steps, baby steps. Baby steps. See, I love that. Some people might not know what titrate means, but it's like the small, tiny steps, the micro steps. And that way it's not so overwhelming. What you had said about, um, I love that you said, I am this already. So when I say who we need to become, we are already that. So example, the seed, uh, the acorn is the oak tree. So we may only see ourselves as the acorn, but who we need to become is inside that. So it's the idea like, wait a sec, I am this already. And in a different dimension, we are actually that already in motion. So it's like, who am I already? So I love that you said that. Like, where's my oak tree? Yeah, well, and how do I need to see myself in the moment as that person? Like, how Like, how does mm-hmm. my vision need to be in order to perceive what's good? And it, it is this back and forth conversation with yourself, you know? And sometimes you just need to ask yourself in a different way and boom, it all clicks into action and you know, like, you know, who you, you remember who you are, basically. You mentioned poetry, and that's the one thing I, I, was, I would always show Mark. Look what Aisha did. Like, it's, it's so poetic. Right. <laughs> it's like you're my kid. <laughs> so I'm like, and I'm like, and I think I want to bring poetry into it because one of the things that you do so beautifully is you share these poetic, these ambiguous, and yet poignant and to the point opportunities. I think poetry is an opportunity. Yeah. You know, lyrics, it's lyrical, you know, that we, and that's one of the reasons I write my my oracles the way I do and the way you do the yours too, because they're, we're very similar. We look at it from that mm-hmm. poetic stance, but I've never seen anybody as, that does it as beautifully as you when it comes to your expression of what's going on in the world. You want to you you know the secret? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You have to let your heart break. <laughs> You have to let yeah. your heart break in order to encounter the mystery and the way that that we all want it to. And I had this big epiphany when I was in Portugal and was just talking and was like, 
The pain that I feel in my body is from every time I didn't let my heart break. And I held mm. all the energy of the, I turned the energy inward instead of letting it outward and meeting more of the divine. And it's like, as soon as I said that, it's like all of those, all that energy that I felt, I have, I'm having, have chills, <laughs> it, it went away. And so I think, you know, I came in as a poet. I love music, actually. You are. That's what my Oracle deck is about. It's about the fusion of music and divination and Y'all, if you want to meet the divine, you've got to let your heart break. You just got to let it break and you got to trust. Okay, let's talk about heartbreak because it is about breaking ourselves open to become more. And I know that when I have not allowed my heart to break, it's because I was trying to control something or I was afraid of what it, what it would yeah. mean and how it could threaten me, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that when it, the truth is, is to be really present with the heartbreak, like you said. That's one of the reasons I love melancholy music. Mm -hmm, my, my original music <laughs> is really melancholy and sort of sad. <laughs> but it's like this sense of, ah, oh, that yearning yeah. and that sense of life that comes from that. And I think that most of us have been trying to prevent the breaking of our hearts because we're afraid of what it will feel like. And yet that is the path to liberation. Yeah. Oh, it is. And for most women who have a, a yearning spirit, I know men yearn too. I'm not trying to put them out of it. But for women who yearn, really the only force in the world that can meet us and match us is the creator, is all, is God, whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, we've been talking about basically portals into the heart and the amazing thing about the heart and what you find out when you do let yourself break open is that there's always more space. Yeah. It doesn't end. And when we don't let our heart break, all we perceive is limitations. We're like stuck. But the beauty of the heart is really that it its nature is expansive and it can keep expanding around every hurt, every hurdle, every obstacle, everything you think you can't take care of. This is the force that's big enough to hold your yearning. It's not your man. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even, for, even if you got a good man, which we both do, but like, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the only force that's capable. And it doesn't mean that you have to be hurt to have your heart break. That's the other thing. My heart breaks when I look into my little dog Bizu's eyes. You know what I'm saying? It's like it breaks from the like wowness of it. Like it breaks open from that. And the grief also that, that this is mortal. And I know that I'm going to outlive her. And I know that, you know, and that, it, that, you know, and then the grief of, you know, being able to touch the, yeah, the pain, of course, obviously, you know, heartbreak and pain go hand in hand, but it doesn't need to be that, oh, some, somebody disappointed me and my heart's broken. That's different. Yeah. It's more mm -hmm. of, of looking at life Right. And, and letting yourself feel that and not, and, and I know this may be a little controversial, what I'm going to say, because I, I don't in any way want to denigrate anybody who's like an activist or. I leaned in. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> controversy. Oh, no, that's your favorite thing. But, you know, rather than fight against something, it's like take the energy and build something new. You know, really take that. You, and I've watched you do that. It's like, I'm not buying yeah. into this conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go over here and, and, mm -hmm. and ask, how do I make this better? How do I make it new? How can I. How can I be this instead of fight against that where my energy is going to exactly. flow? So that's what I meant because, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. there are people who really feel it's important for them to fight against something. Yeah. But I think that's something that you talk about. I've noticed you. That's a thread. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, for me, the fight is creation. And it, it comes back to this conversation about 
creation versus consumption. And I asked my audience the other day, I was like, be honest. Yeah. Like, I know you all are here, but are you more of a creator? Or are you more of a consumer? And I know you're a prolific creator. And I really believe that our, I'm going to piggyback on this and come mm -hmm. back to this, but the great illness I think of our time is numbness. And we've numbed out for so many reasons because of the pain, because of what's happening, because of the constant stream of fear. And so we've created this barrier between us and spirit between us and our ability to create. And for me, the precipice, the creation point is really what's gotten me out of all of those victim narratives and really has stepped me into my power of being a creator. Mm -hmm. Like I've always remembered that this is who we are. We're infinitely creative. And I'm not talking about necessarily just painting or music or all the things we think of as creative arts, but the ability to shape our lives mm -hmm. and to hear ourselves and to ultimately remember, you know, I think of like, I'm seeing the Russian doll in my right? head and at the, at the center is like, you know, the absolute truth of who we are, but we have to keep breaking away at these other dolls part. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I really love that because that's, you invite people all the time into that. That's like, that's been your narrative since I've known you, since you started getting out there. And um, yeah, so there's a, there's a way in which you describe this so beautifully. And I love that you asked your audience that, that you're really engaged with them. And that is a good question. Are we creators or are we consumers? And if we're passive consumers, we're not adding, you know, we're not allowing us to innovate what we consume, right? And I think that's the thing is because of that numbness that you talk about that, again, I think it's because we've been in such a level of sustained uncertainty for quite a long time that that sustained uncertainty has now created Created that barrier, like you said, and we've created it and the polarization and, you know, which has now become kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it's, I, I've noticed more and more people waking up and going like, what are we doing? You notice yeah. that? Like yeah. in your community, good. I've seen it. People going like, wait a minute, I don't want to do this anymore. What, what, what exactly. good could we do together? I'm really super excited that you've got this music oracle coming up. Okay, so I really want to dive in because this brings some of this poetry and the lyrics and all this, right? Let's talk about that. Yeah. What made you do it? Well, what made me do it? Music made me do it. Music made me do it. I came from a really musical household and I often think about uh, sort of the melancholy side of life. Man, like it's so hard, but, but like it's so hard, but what brings me joy here? Why did my soul say yes? It said yes for Indian food and men with beards and music <laughs> and other things too. But like, I think that's in libraries. That's a pretty good libraries. summation of <laughs> yes. like, and the Akashic, oh, yeah. just like, like, like wisdom and knowledge. Right. And so um, music made me do it. My mom was an opera singer. Actually, her grandmother was an opera singer. My mom was adopted and she had a beautiful voice and music was just always around. And music is one of those forces that I think has kept me grounded. I found answers. I found solutions. Mm -hmm. I found like a balm for a, a sad day yep. or, you know, I found a playlist you know, that I've given to friends that is really, you know, and said and encompassed things that I couldn't. And so, after my mom passed away, I really was on this quest to feel her in different mm. ways. And a part of a thing I did as she was passing was just like, be aware of what her energy feels like in a room. Be aware and see when that comes back in all the different forms. Actually, I'm getting chills. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to tell a story and then I'll go back to sure. what was the inspiration for the Oracle and, and the name of it, because I think you'll love it. But I was in Portugal and anytime I see someone that's like cut from my mom's same cloth, like light skin, freckles, kind of curvy, I just like, <laughs> I hone in and we were actually doing something called an angel wash, which is kind of like a soul train line that you walk down where people are just singing to you and touching you and paying attention to you and when I was about to go in line, I said to myself, you can be very poised. I'm, that's not the assignment. <laughs> I need you. I need you to let this touch you. And as I was walking down, I really felt my mom's presence because there was someone there who looked like her and her hands in particular. And I heard my mom say, just as clear as day, you'll find me in a thousand faces. So you'll, oh. you'll find me here. You'll find me in a rock face. You, like, you'll keep finding me. And I then I was just like, I, to wow. I totally lost it. <laughs> but for the last few years, I've been working on a music oracle called The New Romantics. Because so <laughs> I think that um, romance is actually a life-giving mm -hmm. force. And all of kind of like the great minds understand that romance is not just how we feel about our loved one, but it's really this energy of change that comes in and it's the muse yeah. and it sweeps us away, right? And so the new romantics was a way that I, a system that I use to not only connect with my mom on the other side, if that's part of your belief, but also just a system to get really clear and... I won't say too much more, but it's it's coming out at the end of the year, and I'm really excited. It's a deck, and it's kind of a guidebook for how to use music as divination, but also it's kind of the art and the science of sound. So if, if people's, you know, I, I feel like your audience will totally get it. They will love it. Yeah, but they'll, people, they'll, <laughs> well, they'll be hearing all about it as soon as I get my hands on it. Yes. You, not, <laughs> only are you, not only are you getting an advanced deck, but we'll, we'll talk more about the, the little okay. special stuff. But yeah, yeah. I'm so excited for you. I mean, I love that you have innovated and, you know, taken what works for you and what speaks to you and which is universal. Right. You are that channel. And that's what an oracle is. It, we have oracular consciousness within us. Every human being does. Um, but not everyone is going to be inspired by the same muse at the same time with the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is about listening to wisdom and allowing it to play the instrument that is our own body mm -hmm. and soul and our heart. Right. Yeah. And I love that you said that about romance. You know, the idea that there is an ideal there's an idealism that we've lost, mm -hmm. and that that's so true. When you fall in love, everything changes. Your your senses are heightened, you know, and you just know certain things, and you have possibilities and hope, etc. In those moments, you really become purely creative. Mm -hmm. So that itself, it gets mixed up in like, oh, I love this this person. Yeah. It's not about that. No. It's the energy of it. So That's I'm right. super excited you're going to invite people into that experience again because we need it. Yeah. We're love, starving. Exactly. And you get it. I love the way that you described it, but I found some amazing quotes by Maya Angelou about romance and mm -hmm. and if, if we lack it, that our community really becomes brutish. It becomes too focused on the bad things and that's what we're really seeing right now. So it's, you know, I connect it to the Renaissance because every time we have a Renaissance, it's the art and it's the poets and it's the culture, mm -hmm. that sort of romantic culture that opens up this template of possibility that we all get to step into. So that, that it's just been, it's really, really shifted my life. Yeah. 
You know, I love that you mentioned that because I, I was just talking to my friend Althea Gray the other day. She was explaining to me that that we're coming to the end of the Kali Yuga and we're entering into a new golden age and we're at that precipice and in our lifetime we will experience it. And that with AI, I'm finding it interesting because what is that thing that changes? Back then it was science, right? It was the idea that we would open ourselves up to a brand new possibility of seeing ourselves in the world as a, you know, earth-centric, mm-hmm. that heliocentric centric versus earth centric it became about the sun and then all these like new ideas came mm-hmm. up for people and and new ways for us to ponder our humanity and i think this whole new influx of ai which we can't turn back we can't put the cat back in the bag i mean or you can't, you can't you know so what is what is this inviting us into right now and i think this is this where we have a view of ourselves that we're asking yet again, who are we? Yeah. What do we love? What's truly important? What is mm-hmm. to be human? Mm-hmm. Two things about AI, since we kind of skirted into this, that I've been thinking about. And one is that if AI is programmed by us, we don't want to program it with fear. We don't want to, no. we don't want to mirror what the world is telling us about AI, right? Right. The second one is, if AI could do this and it's programmed by a human, it really should lead us back to a place where we, A, understand that we're more powerful than AI and that yeah. everything it's doing is mirrored within us. Oh, I love this because I think it's important, you know, like because it's, again, where is the divinatory, where is the renaissance here? Because it's so true. We're starting to ask ourselves, who are we really yeah. if yeah. this is here? Exactly. And then we can talk about UFOs. I we know, right? Chinky, we're going to just go. <laughs> Girl. It's all there. It's all there. We have to take a little break now. More with Asia Ophelia when we return. And we're back with Asia Ophelia. Okay, Asia, let's pick up on what we were talking about just before the break. You know, the idea of that romanticism and renaissance, I think because of the advent of AI, and you're right about people are like freaking out about it. And it's interesting, Mark's going to a conference about it and he doesn't, he's not going to attend any of the ones that are doom and gloom. He's interested in the innovation and like looking at how can this help humanity? And that said, there's always going to be that kind of pull, but this has opened something up, a brand new level of creativity and a reflection back to us about who we are, what we need to change in and itself is a divinatory tool mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. right? When you see what have we created, what does that say about us, right? You know, these kind of things without being blame shame in the game, you know, mm-hmm. it's more like, ooh, what is, what could we do? But again, coming back to these moments, that can't give us that heartbreaking, yearning, melancholy, human experience. That can't do that. We have to do that in order to then say we need this bigger vista, right? This greater depth and width and height of life. Right. And, and uh, what you're doing with your work and, and getting people to ask them questions because people follow you because you're like seriously one of the most artistic people I've ever seen on Instagram and on anywhere. You know, you really make people think it's like, ooh, I want to look at this. I want to feel this. It's a feeling thing in the body. And then, well, who are we now, really? Why are we being so distracted by all this? You know, it's like shock and awe. Like, what are they not, they, not wanting us <laughs> exactly. to look at? Yeah. Who's they? You exactly. Know what I mean? Who are they? And, and are they us? 
Are they? Are we, are we, you know, if we look at the world as this um, cosmic egg, let's say we're a cosmic egg and each Mm -hmm. of us is a tiny little fractal within it. If we're pointing fingers and saying they're doing this, then our little pixel that illuminates isn't our true note. We're being in reaction to something that's not us. And so, you know, in, in some sense, there is a big, a big bag them. But like you said, all the times that we're in, are really leading us back to who we are, the potential, because chaos doesn't happen unless change wants to happen. And so the level of chaos to the level of change, I'm like, all right, maybe we are going into a golden age. I don't know how long it's going to take or if I'll be here in this body when it happens, but I feel it. And that's the beauty of romanticism is the people on that, the leading edge or whatever, in, in this space at least, that, that move the, the possibility out so uh-huh. everyone can be ushered into it eventually. I mean, I think it's in that way, you know, I was just saying like, I'm, I love it that Mark is going to a conference on how to use it, not the doom and gloom, because we're part of programming it with fear. And if we decide to not be fearful of it and not to participate in things that feel like that that's the reality it's going to create, but to use it in a responsible way, you know, I think that that's great. You know, uh, the idea that we have a responsibility, um, and I love the pixel thing. I've never heard you talk about that. The idea that we're a little pixel in the fractal, and it, it, but that's not our true note. So, you know, when we are distracted by those things, I think they're still essential to say, okay, this and this is true, as opposed to being in a kind of a denial, because we can't deny it. I, go, I always go back to Catherine Ponder, that uh, that Unity Church minister that talked about, she has two books that I loved reading. One was The Dynamic Laws of Prayer, and the other one was The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. And she talks about, I know, more books for you to read. I have yeah. a list. Anyway, so... Okay. Um, and I'm as obsessive as you are about books and libraries. It's just like, mm-hmm. that's just give me a books and I'll be happy. Um, exactly. So uh, she talked about something called chemicalization. And she said that when we get on a spiritual path, we, in, in, we immediately see what's not going correctly, right? So we want to correct that. So we want, it's a spiritual correction. And we go from the scarcity model in all ways and how we have, you know, participated in that, either being the victim of it or being the perpetrator or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We're in the story. Whichever side of the story you're on, you're in it. And then we say, okay, we want a different story. So we're holding space for the different story. And chemicalization is when it looks like it's getting worse, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second. We want something better. We've been we've been pounding for something better and it looks worse than it was. Oh, how is this possible? And she says that that is, it's when all, it's almost like the pus comes to the surface, right? And we think, oh my God, this is like, this is, we're going to be disheartened. And she said, do not be disheartened when it appears that, that this is getting the opposite that you want, because it is a way in which to take the dis-ease away. And that if you are patient and painstaking and holding space for that new and that beautiful and that, you know, and then doing the small micro steps towards it, because it's really a lifetime 
commitment yeah. we all have mm-hmm. to make, right? And then she said, you then you'll have this miracle and it just is one day is in front of you and you're like, oh, wow, I was part of this. I saw it. But it's the really crucial piece, which is why I look at the world because it does look like it's getting worse and think, mm-hmm. I, okay, I'm going to trust the chemicalization piece here. Yes. I'm going to trust that yeah. because yeah. Uh, otherwise, what's the point? That the idea of that apathy can set in for everybody. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Well, what I mainly thought of was kind of the example that you use, because one of the, you know, I feel like the reason I call myself a spiritual provocateur is because I, there's no idea that I don't want to explore. Right. Well, I don't know if I'd say it exactly like that, but that I'm open to going down rabbit holes. Right. And one, one of the rabbit holes I went down was about this um, ideology called German new medicine. And in it, the symptoms actually arise as part of the healing. Right. And that's exactly what you're saying. The bruise, like, oh, it actually looks bad. But underneath that surface is where all of the change is happening. And that that's really the beauty of being able to live in that middle path mm-hmm. in between the seen and unseen realms. Because if you only look at what you see, it's frightening, it's yeah. scary, it is getting worse, everyone's fighting, and you would have no hope. Right. But if you, you can remain in this middle space, then you can have access through divination, through meditation, through knowing thyself, that something else is really happening. Yeah. And you can put your faith and your creation into that space instead of, creating more distortions and dissonance by saying, oh, this is only what I see. I'm in reaction to it. I'm in fear. Mm-hmm. I'm in pain. And so that that really is the beauty of um, knowing that through chemical... Chemicalization. Chemical, <laughs> yes, that. Um, that it's actually, it's that's what's that the healing is happening. Right. So was that homeopathy or you said Germanic is a type of... Well, it's called German New Medicine and they have five biological laws. And one of them is about, it's basically... This this man, something Hammer is his last name, but he he thought that all disease was happened through a biological conflict, and he really tracked right. he tracked it with himself and tons of patients, and created this whole way of knowing if something's happening, what sort of shock caused it, and how to unwind from that and wow. create healing. And he believed that the like when you when your body is sweating, you're like, oh no, I have a fever, but actually it's fighting the infection. And it's the same thing with all other diseases and symptoms. It's really like when you feel the pain is when the healing's happening. It's whether you you go back into that state to keep staying in the pain. So That's really true, too, because the more we keep on focusing and speaking to the pain and the, like, again, you know, there are real true victims of, I I mean, I don't want to say anything negative about somebody being a victim, but it's the identity of victim. It's not about being victimized. It's about when we keep on seeing ourselves as victim of a system or victim of, of our, you know what I mean? It's like this, we victimize ourselves by keeping on following this yeah. ball of energy over and over and over again. And when when all this energy that we're bleeding into this could be going over here while still respectfully acknowledging this, yeah. you know what I mean? Without bypassing anything, you still can do both hands. I think right. it's it's this is the dance that I think we need to learn to do, the steps we need to learn right now. And we can only do it through, I think, because you invite people to do that, like literally every week on your page. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, think about this. What, what do you feel about that? You know, um, look over here. Mm-hmm. Can you do both? What keeps you here? Yeah. Why are you? Because a lot of people are more afraid of the beauty and the creativity 
than they are of the of the pain and the anger. And that, that seems to be so much more comfortable for a lot of people. But I do think it's part of that change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like the idea that the, the devil you know is more, you know, you're fine with that, but it's yeah. even more scary to imagine who you could be without it, you know? And yeah, my, I always talk about the, the journey from victim to victor. And, right. and, you know, many systems are talking about how to move out of that phase of our consciousness and our identity into victory because it's who we are. Kundalini, um, Kriyas, all of it, they're, they're showing us the pathway to be a victor. And who doesn't want to be? Nobody wants to stay victimized. We all want to rise up. It's, it's human nature to want to evolve and to, you know, continue down the path. So Sure. To be the oak tree. That's right. Unravel the magic. Okay, I want to talk about something else that I know you're obsessed with, which is the gene keys. Well, let's talk about the gene keys. You you know, I got into it years and years ago, and then I kind of dropped it, like in my spiritual tourism, yeah. uh, you know, of, of trying literally everything. Yeah. Do I like this? I don't know. What about the Arantia book? Yeah. What about the gene keys? What about this? Yeah. So, um, and then I kind of dropped out, and then uh, you started getting into it again, and then I started, I bought all the books again and checked, and I thought it was fascinating, but you're way more into it than I am. So I really want to hear how you use this as a divination tool for yourself. Mm. Well, Richard Rudd, who had this um, three-day download of this this system that's really connected to the I Ching, connected to divination, um, and also connected to our body ecology because they're gene keys. They're actually right. genes that we unlock in the journey of human consciousness. And so he, right. for me, it's like, I love all those other things, but Richard has really added this poetic, like this, paint, mm-hmm. this paintbrush on it. So that's why I really love the system. But he... I mean, he kind of uses the gene keys in his own way through divination because, so they're connected to astrology. So every week there's a new gene key. And the idea is that we all have a set. I think we have maybe six. I'm not that big. It's, I, I'm a year yeah. in and it's really yeah. like, it's a contemplative practice, which means you don't stop doing it. It's happening all the time, right? And so in his own page, he'll have like the gene key of the week and it'll be maybe not your gene key. I think this week is actually devotion. Last week- I know, I just got it. I got it. I get it. I get the emails. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I'm like six months in. Yeah, yeah. I find it I find it really, really sits well with other divinations. It does. So I'm, I'm, yeah, go on. It does. And it feels like in that way, divinely channeled. That You know, that's how, that's another thing that makes me just have faith in the creator because it's like, you can lay astrology on top of divination and it tracks. You can yeah. lay it on top of the ancient I Ching and it tracks. There's just so many things that, that play and work well together. But the gene keys for me have really taken me out of one of my biggest challenges and um, into the greatest gift. And for me, it was um, about commitment, about half-heartedness and protecting myself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, basically he's like half-heartedness carries the seed of failure. But when right. you when you fully say yes without knowing what the outcome is, um, we're blessed, right? Miracles happen. Yeah. The gods lean in. It's it's and it's so obvious. But like because it's within my gene keys, it's really been my life's work is to move around this hurdle, this challenge, and not view it as a challenge anymore, but really step into trust and wholeheartedness. And I'm in my fourth decade and I'm just getting this. Like I'm just on the, or maybe not, maybe I'm further than I think, but. Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) 
But no, I think it's a, it's a really beautiful system. It's a way to know yourself in this sort of mythic, poetic way that's connected to all of these other ancient divination. Because we love divination. It's connected to all those other things. Yeah, and I love that. What I thought was really interesting, I found it really profound because, um, I, I can't remember which one I am, but there's you're, you're a number of them, but one main one, right? And the one that talked to me about how I would reinvent myself my entire life. Mm. And that was so true. And it was even talked about my weight. It was this one thing in there because I've been super heavy and I've been slim. And it even said, well, you're going to go from this to that. You're going to one day all of a sudden wear red, change your hair, do the, like all these things externally and how I would be, be one thing and then another really, and it would be seen in terms of my body. And I thought that was amazing and very so true. And I'm like, wow, this is so me. Yeah. <laughs> Just like one day you wake up, you want to do something different. So I really encourage everybody to check out the gene keys. Exactly. We will put a, a link to that. Um, I do think that people right now have such an access. I mean, I didn't have that when I was young. Like, you know, I was when I was in my 20s, well, I was introduced to all of this when I was in my late teens, but, you know, it wasn't as popular. It was, we had these little new age bookstores and stuff, and it was very like, you know, new age was like over there, yeah. like, you know, the weirdos. Yeah. And now it's become more mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, so everybody has this access and, and they need to do it. Yes, they do. They do. writing, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something that I know is really important that you teach, which is dream work. Mm -hmm. So in your writing, you talk about dream work as a necessary component of ascension or earth raising her frequency. How do you perceive the connection between dreams and the earth's frequency elevation? That's like a, that's a really, you know, juicy, good, juicy. <laughs> well, well, our bodies are perfect, are perfect example because Within our bodies is every, you know, every mineral, every piece that we find echoed in mama nature, right? As above, so below. And I find dreams to be, we've, we've been talking a lot about this middle path, this access to the outer realms and the inner realms. And without those inner realms, without the dream time, we can't make sense of this outer realm because we just get caught up in Maya. Like this is another mm -hmm. term that your people may know about. The illusion. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The illusion of what's happening. And so... Oh, what was I telling my friend yesterday about dreams? If I could, if I could like snap my fingers and help people to remember something that I think is really important, that's free, that happens automatically, where you can learn how to do, you can fly, you can do all these like otherworldly things. It would be to get back into our ability to connect with our dreams. And so, a few things I hear often is I don't remember my dreams. All I dream about is mundane things, even though we know that yeah. that the doorway <laughs> to to spirit is through some of the the mundane, right? And you know, just people not really valuing that. Well, what's happening on a physical level is when you're dreaming, you're in REM sleep, so you're in that kind of sleep that actually is really reparative for the right. the human body. I heard someone say that. If we didn't, well, well, first of all, if we didn't go into REM, which is where dreams are even able to happen, that all of us would probably just be dying of heart attacks because we'd be so inherently stressed. And so for me, I'm like, oh, okay, there is there is a connection. We haven't evolved out of the need to dream. They're, they're, they're knowing that animals are dreaming and they're studying how animals dream and they're seeing that we can connect in our dreams. All of these things that we kind of, maybe we know are possible, I believe are possible, but the world at large probably does not. 
And so if there was one thing that I could really uh, stress or give people is just the desire to call their inner dreamer back and to have experiences with their dreams and be, begin to learn how to speak the language of the dream, which is poetry, which is um, symbolism. Like nothing is as it seems in a dream, really. And so you have to you have to use this other part of your brain and this other part of your consciousness to kind of start to work with them and understand them. Oh, I love that. Do you believe dreams are necessary for our spiritual growth? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I do. Necessary? Hmm. I think that they are, you know, people are all into biohacking and cheat codes <laughs> and like, and not that you get to skip the line ever. You don't get to bypass a single step. That's not how it works. But I think that dreams are innately powerful. They're very healing. Um, they can, if you have answers about things that you don't know, you can speak with your dream self, your dream mm -hmm. self who is whole, who is healed, who has 360 degree view of all of it. And you can come back with information. There's so many stories. There's so many ancient traditions that really valued dreams and were able to use them as powerful tools for their life. And so, you know, necessary yes for me and I want to say yes but I also just think about life as like don't leave that much potential on the table we spend mm -hmm. a third of our lives sleeping and out of that third we're dreaming way more than we even know and so if we start to bring that power back to ourselves we can back to mama earth we can speed up the ascension cycle because we're not leaving a third of possibility on the table we're like all right this is happening. I'm sleeping all the time. Dreams are important and I'm going to start interacting with them. Do you still have a hotline? Yes, I think you have yes, a hotline. 1-800-GO-DREAM. Yes. I want you to tell us about that. You know what? I just had this idea. I live on a farm now and I was out, had my hands in the dirt and I was like, I've always wanted a 1-800 number. Like I've always wanted one, <laughs> you know? And so that day I went and got 1-888-GO-DREAM. And it's basically where you can call in and share a dream that you've had. And I don't know what the plan is after. I think what I'd love to eventually do is create this website that's a constellation of people's dreams where keywords are connected. Because maybe like mm -hmm. maybe people are dreaming the same things. They don't even know each other. Right. Maybe somehow there's, they're, I don't want to call them star-crossed lovers, but maybe they're, you know, I don't know, but I just see this. And maybe AI would be great for this. This, this like, Website yeah, that you can click together. on that's a constellation. You put in a keyword and, you know, the dreams populate. But I've, I've listened to hundreds of dreams and I am delighted. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm in tears. It's really the best cinema there is, is the dream time. I love I love coming back with a dream fragment or a dream to share. And I love that you said about dream fragments. Um, so I have recurring dreams. I, I've tended to work things out through recurring dreams, and I go to the same places. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I have a same geography I keep visiting in this building. And I go in, and I've changed homes, and it's it always occurs to me when I'm about to make a change and like I w it might not have a wall because I feel so it's I've learned how to recognize what are consistent in my dreams and then to be able to work with those. So I, I want to, you know, hope people could think of it that way, too. Like you might have some consistent things that you think don't mean anything, but in fact, they do. That's your your own spirit is trying to speak to you through and it's your own internal oracle. Exactly. 
is the dream. Yeah. And and I love it when you said, oh, I only dream mundane things. Yeah, but that broom you keep exactly. seeing. Maybe you've got to sleep your troubles away. Maybe, you know, right? like, yeah, my, I go to elevators a lot. I go, I'm in the small confined space that I can't get out of. And that is, uh, yeah, I'm playing with that in life. <laughs> That's so funny. I've gotten into a recent dream with an elevator that was like really like I wasn't sure it was going to take me where I needed to go. It was like on its side. And I'm like, should I get in there? And it was really tiny. And it was I was like, is this going to crash? And then I ended up in this place and I'm like, whoa, what is this? There you go. <laughs> it's there just go. like, yeah, you know, the changes that we get into. But it's it's like recognizing your own lexicon that you, you every single person has their and lexicon being the vocabulary of an oracle right so you have your own dream lexicon right. oh and you and i can go on a fun a tangent yeah. on this one some other time exactly <laughs> Okay, so with everything going on in the world today, I want to ask you what inspires and motivates you right now? And how do you stay aligned with your magic and purpose? You know, really what's inspiring me is the web of relationships that sustain me. And, you know, the closest people to me, my family, my friends, and the earth that my feet walk upon. And I think I've been, you know, I don't know if I've, I haven't really been in the, the deepest appreciation I can be for the earth and myself. And so to me, it's just, it's a return to the body. I think, you know, mm -hmm. I've been such a creative because I've been in this imaginative space. And for me, the pain in my body, the healing journey that I've been on has really been about returning to here and creating heaven on earth, mm -hmm. like here, heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm inspired by beauty and my family and, you know, being out in nature. I, I live on 52 acres now in Texas and Although it's so hot, it's really beautiful. <laughs> there's road runners. There's all. There's all of. Oh, I love. There's them. all of this life that suddenly I'm noticing in this new place. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's pull a card together and see if there's anything else the Wooniverse wants us Woo, to talk about. I love this part. Woo. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna use wisdom of awesome. the oracle which is the deck I teach within Oracle School, and we are going to pull a card. All righty. Um, let's see. Did we miss anything in this great talk of ours? What does the universe want Asia to talk about? Deep knowing. Mm. <laughs> so, how, do you, how do you know? Describe your experience of deep knowing. It's not about what anyone else has said. It's not about the loudest voice. It's about uh, reconnecting with that part of ourselves that is still, that is childlike, that is curious, that is open, that is aligned. And I love that that deep inner knowing because that's how we that's how we move through the world and keep our true note intact. That's how we move through the world and you know, all of the chaos that's swirling, we don't add to it. If we have this mm -hmm. deep connection with what we know to be true, what we came in with, with the mystery, um, I think we'll, we're going to be fine. <laughs> we're going to be okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I just love that. We're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter into another dimension of the universe, the tea time after party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back.
Thanks for joining us today. And welcome back with us today is spiritual provocateur, conceptual creative, and brand magician, Asia Ophelia. Okay, we are going to switch gears now. and We are going to travel into another dimension of the universe, and it's called the Tea Time After Party. <laughs> and we are going to ask some fun questions. Joining us now is our executive producer, Connie Deletti. Hi, Connie. Hi. Hello. All right, I'm going to start. Um, if you could magically be fluent in any language overnight, which would you choose and why would you choose it? Oh, it's got to be a romantic language. Uh, French. I would just choose French because I think it's sexy and I would want to be able to just like be speaking it. <laughs> oh, good. I love that. All right. French it is. French it is. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. Je suis une petite souris. I'm a little mouse. <laughs> All right. Your turn, Connie. Okay, so Aisha, you are a, call it since you're a triple Scorpio. Mm -hmm. I'm a double Scorpio, so I put this little, I snuck this question in like a little mouse. What's one question you wished more people asked you? I'm, oh my goodness. I don't know, if, can I talk about that on this <laughs> show? Um, yeah. Yeah. I always want to talk about sex. Always. All right. <laughs> always. Scorpionic. <laughs> or you know what? Death. Actually, it's very Scorpionic, but I I. The conversation that I, all the conversations I want to start are like, you know, but death. I think I talk more about death and its energy in our lives and, and, and all of it. Connie won an award for a film, a documentary on death. Ooh, what's it called? Um, it's a documentary called Corpus. Thank you, Colette. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, uh, it's incredible. It's, it's like what you can do with your body after you die is the kind of comedic. Oh, you you have to watch it, Asia. It's you the kind, it. of, okay. kind of comedic front. Well, it's educational as well, but then it's deeper contemplating your mortality and what does happen to your body. And it's important to think about that, you know? Yeah. There's one part in the film where she talks about uh, where this company can make a diamond out of someone's ashes. Oh, wow. So you can become a diamond mm -hmm. yeah, after you die. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's so cool. Yeah. You have to watch it. It's really, okay. really good. I'm going to watch it. Death and Sex. I know you do the Yoni... Um, what was it you were doing the other day on a, a well, Yoni you on a a podcast? Oh, yeah. You were steaming your Yoni. <laughs> but somebody you know. else, you were sitting on a steam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Scorpio, that's amazing. She <laughs> <laughs> was on a good Well, season. I was yes. like, I think this is the first time this has ever happened. We should do it. Yeah. We should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. If you could invent a holiday, what would it be called and how would it be celebrated? National, everyone stays home and reads a book, smokes a joint, sorry Colette, and um, <laughs> I feel like you're my mom right now. Uh, Takes a bath day? Yeah. I, it's okay. I think, I think, and what about having sex? Yes, yes. Stay home, okay. Yes. Read a book, have sex, smoke a joint. Yes. All right, the only reason why you guys, she says sorry Colette is because I'm clean and sober, 37 and a half years, and I don't smoke a joint. But I'm happy for other people to smoke joints. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, um, if you could have any animal as a pet the size of a mouse, what would it be? So it's the full-size thing, but it's shrunken down to mouse size? Shrunken down to mouse size. <laughs> we get a kick out of this question. <laughs> so funny. I mean, a jaguar, but now it's like this. That's it's amazing. Like I could like put it in my yeah. fanny pack and just like, yes. Yes. and the little yes. animal come out. Yeah. 
Wow. That's amazing. Okay, with all the talk about the libraries and the books, you're banned. So finish the sentence. You're banned from the library. Why? Why did you get banned from the library, Aisha? What did you do? Because I was putting books on the shelf that they removed because people shouldn't read them. Oh, oh right. right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me. Oh, I'll be right yep. there with you. Love it. No I such thing as shouldn't exactly. read. No such thing. Oh my gosh. Um, do you do you uh, collect anything? And if so, what? Um, just like altar items. I have a lot of little things around that I love. Oh, you know what? Okay, so I told my man that in my top five essential things for life were stickers. And he really was like, he was like, it's not like, a, it was not something practical so we can live. But like, if I look around my space, I have choose to sign, see the good. I just have stickers everywhere. And I think they're utilitarian. Sometimes they dress things up. They've got good messages. Like imagine a world where yeah. no billboards were. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. good, but stickers. I love stickers. Yeah. You need to you I need to that. share some of your okay. stickers with me. I love stickers. <laughs> I, need no, I need some more stickers. more stickers. I have a great sticker on the back of my computer that says, pet ownership is my gateway drug to unconditional love. Oh, <laughs> so true. So I recognize my computer when I travel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. To learn more about Asia, the work she does, her upcoming wellness retreats. Oh, we should talk about that first, right? Where, When is that? your new upcoming wellness retreat because you take you yeah. take people to Mexico yeah. and I've heard people that have attended they've mm-hmm. loved it and they're so amazing and then you work with the yeah. Healy machine yeah. well the name of the retreat is Untethered Hearts and it's the architecture of deeply fulfilling relationships and one of the Richard Rudd who I love and the Gene Keys he really talks about that relationships are what's going to bring us into this next golden age really golden age Tending ourselves that first relationship, but like really creating relationship alchemy all around you because everything's a relationship, right? We're, we're going to yep. focus on um, people to people, probably mainly the person that's your person, your romantic person. But it, it reflects in everything, our relationship with money, our relationship with ourselves, with possibility. And so, yeah, it's, it's coming up. Baja, Mexico. It's gorgeous. This gorgeous, gorgeous place. And there's still room if you'd like to join us. Oh, that's great. And we'll have information about that too on our website. So to learn more about Aisha, the work she does, the upcoming wellness retreats and her upcoming The New Romantics Sound Oracle and so much more. And trust me, there is so much more. Oh my God, you must go over to AishaOphelia.com and you'll see it spelled out correctly. As always, for a summary, quotes, links, and a transcript of this conversation, visit us on our show notes page by clicking the link in this episode's description or by heading on over to itwpodcast.com. Thank you, my darling. Thank you so much for joining us, Aisha. (laughs) You're so fascinating. And I really hope lots and lots of people come and check you out on Instagram and uh, yeah, sign up to your newsletter. You send really interesting things out once or twice a week. It's, it's worth, I'm, I'm always opening your emails and you already know, because I always email you right after. Like, that was really cool. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So what did we learn today listening to Aisha Ophelia? Oh my God, so much. But I think I'd like to zero in on one little point. When she talked about that we all had a true note and that that true note was not reactive. 
it is us in our most authentic, most beautiful, most creative. That note, that authentic note, that is what we want to strive to listen for and uncover and resonate with and then send out as a broadcast to others because that's really the source of our deep knowing. Aisha is fascinating. I, I really do hope the listeners will go and check her out today anyway. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. Time to share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuis, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.